So today I want to tell, talk to you about stories that we tell ourselves. You may or may not realize this, but we tell ourselves certain types of stories and situations and throughout different parts of life. Other people have shaped our stories and then we, you know, we live out the stories. We have a certain story that we set up for ourselves, a certain belief about who we are, what we do, what we've done, and then you know, we live that out. We tell ourselves, we rehearse it, we believe it, we tell it, right? And then we live it. And a lot of times we may not realize, but we, the stories that we tell ourselves are not accurate stories, right? Some of, so if you think about the different genre of stories, maybe they're fictional, right? Some people would live out horror stories. You know, you know some people who are, like their whole life is like one horror, one big gigantic event, or some people are action movie type people. Some people are drama movie type people, right? Their whole life is just drama. And some people are just more of a documentary. They're more about facts, about the things in life. If we, if we categorize, categorize it like that. But one of the most intriguing, the, the most popular stories that Jesus told, the story of the prodigal son. Now that may sound like, oh yeah, you know, you've heard it, you've seen it, you've probably seen it in plays, you've seen movies, you've seen that whole story, and some of you may have never heard of it. That's okay, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, but it's a really interesting story because it's so deep at so many levels. But sometimes we get so caught up in the story and the depth of the story and the details of the stories, we miss the big picture. So today I wanted to help us step back a little bit and see the big picture of the story of the prodigal son that is so familiar to most of us. And so let me read to you um, from Luke chapter 15, if you'd like to follow along. This is, uh, the story is, is found in, in a couple of books of the Bible, but uh, the main text we're going to look at is from Luke 15, starting verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to, the father, to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. So you get the picture? So there's a dad, and there's two sons, the younger one and the older one, right? Two sons. The younger son came to the dad and he says, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance. What is he really saying? If my kids were to come to me and say, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance, what would that be like? No, I don't think so, right? But some, for some crazy reason, this dad did. So between two sons, in that culture, if you had two sons, the older son gets the most. And so he would divide up the, the inheritance. So the older son would get two-thirds of the properties, and then the youngest son would get one-third of everything. And so you can imagine, they had to appraise the house and get all the, everything together, and now the youngest son has demanded this inheritance. What he's saying to his dad, like, you know, instead of waiting for you to die, how about just give me what's coming to me? That's just messed up. Someone would do that to their own dad. And so, but for some strange reason, the dad divided everything up, um, starting at verse uh, 13. Not long after the young son got together all he had, uh, set out for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need obviously right so no matter we don't know how much money he got from his dad from the inheritance but he went out somewhere far spent all the money and then famine hit the land what kind of movie so far do you think if you were to categorize it in a movie drama oh it's, it's bu building up right to a climax all right um he, and so he, went to, uh, so he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent 
him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything to eat. So he's really hitting bottom, right? This kid spent everything. Now famine in the land, can't find a job, can't do anything, but he has, he's too prideful to just turn. So you would think that sometimes people are like, okay, this is bad. Let's go back home. But no, he's going to duke it out. He found somebody who would hire him to feed pigs, and, but some scholar thinks that he wasn't even getting paid. He was just attaching to some, fa- to some family, and they made him um, feed pigs. And now um, he is so hungry, he couldn't even eat the food the pigs were eating. So this, little, this young man is hitting bottom. And Jesus said in verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired men. So he got up and went to his father. So he hit bottom, and then now he came to his senses. And so this is the story he's rehearsing now. You get it? You get that part? He's saying, okay, now I think I'm going to have to go back home, and here's the story I'm going to tell. He's finally realizing his mistake, so he says, okay, I'm going to go back home, and here's the story I'm going to rehearse. And so he's rehearsing it, he's telling the story. Can you imagine what goes on in his mind before he goes back? He says, he's going to go back, he's going to say, Father, he's, he's rehearsing the speech now. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be in your family, no longer worthy to be your son please hire me as your, one of your servants. And say, okay, yeah, that sounds like a good story. So he got up and he went back to his dad. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arm around him, and kissed him. So the, the son is coming a long way off. We don't know how far, but the dad saw his son in the distance and he ran towards the son, right? And he grabbed the son and he hugged him and, and the son's just like, whoa, you know, he hasn't even gotten a chance to tell his speech. And then, then verse uh, 21, 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, do you think the father heard what the son said? Probably, but well, let's see. Um, but the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best robe and put on, my, uh, and put on him. Put on a ring, a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So what does the father do? What would regular fathers do? A son coming over stinking with... Who knows what kind of clothes, all torn up, tattered, and coming towards the sun. And he's, this is his speech. Can you imagine along the way home? He's getting closer to home. Father. And he's, he's practicing his speech, right? Father, I, I have sinned against... No, Dad. No, 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 no. Papa. No. Well, how should I say this, right? He comes... He's practicing this speech. And he got there. As soon as he got there, he laid that speech down. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy. And you know, he got... But I don't think the father really heard it. It's just that the son came back and he made him so happy. He grabbed the son and he says, first he brought what? A robe. A robe in that culture is to represent uh, like a special guest. I would have like a special, if you were to come to my home, I would have a special suit to just welcome you. Like, 
wow, you're coming to my home. Come on in. And, you know, I'm looking nice just for you. And it's that kind of robe. And he says, bring the best robe and cover my son. And then he says, and give him a ring. In those days, the ring is a signet ring. That's what you use to seal letters. When you write a letter, you would dip it in the wax and you would make a seal on the letter. And so the, this ring signifies authority. So he grants his son, he's telling his son, you are a special guest in my home. Come on in and you are going to be restored in your authority as my son. And then he says, bring sandals. In those days, servants don't wear sandals. They're not worthy to wear sandals. They walk bare feet. Only people in the household wear sandals. So he says, bring a sandal. He, this is my son. He deserves this. And so they, the servant brought that, and then they said, he said, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's celebrate. Sounds like a good story, doesn't it? Meanwhile, the older son was, on, was out in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. Yikes. What's going on? What do you, kind of relationship do you think the older brother is having with his younger brother? Mm. And so the older, father, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father. And so now the older son has a story that he's been rehearsing. You see what's happening? He's out in the field. He heard the music. He knows the brother's coming. And now the wheels are spinning in his head. I got a story of my own to tell. And here's the story that he's prepared to tell. And you can tell that he's been rehearsing this because it's planned out. So the, the older son, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who's, who has squandered your property uh, with prostitutes come in and kill, uh, you kill the fatted calf for him. So what's he saying? What did he add there? Prostitutes. We don't know if that's true or not, but the son, man, this older brother is added. He said, look, I worked hard for you. I've never disobeyed you. I worked hard all my life for you, and you've never given me a goat. What's the difference between a goat and a fatted calf? Meat. Goats, I don't know if you've seen goats, but they're scrawny and bony and nasty. Look, I don't know if anybody want to eat that. Right? So he's saying, I just want some skinny goat to celebrate with my friends. I don't even get that. Now, this son of yours who's done something bad, now you're going to kill a calf for him, a fatted calf. A fatted calf is like veal in our days, even though it's illegal in California. Veal, you know, they, they would fatten a calf just for a certain celebration, weddings and things like that. They would kill the fatted calf for a special occasion. And so the older son says, look, I've done all these things and I get nothing from you. What he's saying to the dad is, you're cheap. You're unfair, right? I've been here this whole time and I get nothing. And now this son of yours go do something bad, he comes back and you kill the fatted calf. That's like a big deal for them. And so the father's response, this is the father's version of the story. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because, the brother of, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. 
So the father is changing the story. The father says, look, you have been with me all the time. Everything I have is yours. The fatted calf is yours. You could have eaten it anytime you want, right? Because we divided the inheritance. Everything is yours. Everything here and on this land is yours. And so let's, let's break this down and take a look at how this all works out. The story is so deep that you can write books on this. And so we could get lost looking at the stories. But uh, let's go back. The son sto- so the younger son comes and he has his story. He goes out and, and he's like probably in fantasy world, right? And he's thinking, man, you know, if I go out there, I could take the money and I go and invest and I go and, and spend and party and do all these wonderful things out there in the cities. You know, maybe they're out in the farms. I don't know. They want to go. He wants to go out far into a far distant country to live his life, be on his own. So that's his story and he has it in his mind. He goes there and his story turns bad. Then he changes the story and he comes back to his dad. And when he comes to his dad, the dad changes the story again. He says, look, it doesn't matter, right? And so the younger son, he goes out there with a certain belief, with a certain story that he had in his mind. And the story is wrong when he comes back. And these are the things that I wanted to tell you, two things that we lie to ourselves. And this, this is the belief that the two brothers have for themselves. The first lie we tell ourselves is, my behavior determines my belonging. You see, the, the youngest son, when he comes back, he says, look, I've done so many bad things that I don't deserve to be a part of the family anymore. Is that how it is in our family? If our kids are bad, what do we do? We kick them out and they're not a part of the family anymore? No, not at all. No matter what they do, there will always be our kids, right? No matter what you do, no matter what, how far you've gone, you will always be your mother's daughter or son you will always be a part of the family and that's what the father is saying but this son thinks that his behavior determines his belonging and you see that in our world today and in church in in church groups in our faith in our family like this you see people who feel like they have done something so wrong and so bad that they leave the church because they don't feel like they belong anymore Either the older brother in the church is making them feel that way, or they themselves feel that way. Like, man, I have done so many bad things, I don't belong here. Because we have that lie in our head that our belonging is determined by our behavior, and that is not true. You see, in God's economy, it doesn't work that way. And you can see that the the younger son, when he comes back, he's thinking that. Now, let's look at the older son. The older son believes a different lie. His lie is, my work determines, determines my worth. My work determines my worth. The first thing he said was, I worked with, I, you know, I've been enslaving. You know, you had enslaved me. I am your slave for all, this, all these years. I've never disobeyed your commands. I do everything you tell me. So I should get something. I'm entitled to stuff, right? In God's economy, it doesn't even work that way either. A lot, of, a lot of us think that, you know, the harder I work to serve God, the more He loves me. And that's not true. God loves you even if you don't work to serve Him. God loves you even if you do bad things. God loves you because you are you. In God's economy, that you are loved not by your performance, but by your position. Right? Your position in His family. We'll take a look at that in a little bit. But the, father, the, the older son comes back and he says, I never disobeyed your order. And here, I don't even get a lean, skinny goat to eat, right? That's not even a fatted calf. I don't even ask for that. Just give me a skinny goat. But what he's not realizing is what the father could have said to him, look, my son, you own everything. 
This is yours. You can have the goat anytime you want. Raise a new goat. You can have all the goats, and you can have all the fatted calf. You can have the sheep, all the problem. Let's think about this for a second. You own everything. You don't even have to go to work. Why did you go to work this morning? It doesn't even make sense, right? You don't have to, only because if you want to. But the son thinks that he is entitled to that. He's going to earn everything that the father is going to leave him because he thinks that his work determines his worth and his value, and he's entitled something, to something. And the father says, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. I think sometimes we forget that, that we think that we have to earn God's favor, God's blessings, but we don't. We could just be still and do nothing, and He is God who loves us completely. In one sentence, the Father changed the, the entire story. They each came with their own story. And you know, we all have our own stories. Who we are, who we aren't, who we, we, we are not, you know, what we've done, and um, what we're planning to do. We all have our own stories. When we come to God, He changes our story. He has his version of the story. And so let me break it down here in, in a picture. I love pictures because it explains stuff. All right, so we see the older brother and the younger brother. So the older brother over here. And the younger brother over here. Two groups of people, two, two persons in the story, right? And the father in the middle. And you see that they have a very different perspective on their dad. They have a very perspective, different perspective on their life, right? The, the older son has a very different perspective on his life. and He has his very different story on how, um, of, for his own life. And the younger son has a very different story. And things change when they come together like this. And you can see that that is going to be a reflection of us, reflection of the people that he's telling the story. Remember, this is a parable. This is not some true account that Jesus told. This is not a based on a true story. This is some lesson, a story that Jesus is teaching to tell a lesson. And so let's step back in context and see what's happening here. And so we look at this story and we could see that there's the breakdown of that. But let's step back and see where Jesus was. So Jesus, if we look back one chapter, we see that Jesus was at someone's home. And whose home was he in? A Pharisee's home. These are the people who are against Jesus. The religious leaders, the teachers of the law, the experts of the law, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they're all the, the religious leaders, people who knew the Bible really well. And they invited Jesus to come to their home. So he's, Jesus was sitting in their home, eating their food, and he's telling this story. And so as people are... Uh, he's telling this story because the Pharisees are saying, you, are, you claim to be the Son of God. If you really are the Son of God, you would know that you're hanging out with. And so everywhere Jesus went, people who are nothing like Jesus followed him. Who followed him? Sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, you know, anybody who are far away from God are following Jesus. Isn't it really interesting that people who are nothing like Jesus liked Jesus? They followed him. And so he's at, let's say this is the house of the Pharisee. 
And the Pharisees are there, and you know, they're in their, their uh, uniform and their outfits, and you know, they got the little box and everything. They're sitting there listening to Jesus teach, and then the prostitutes, sinners, and tax collectors, all the hated people, came and followed Jesus, came with Jesus. And the Pharisees criticized Jesus and says, I thought you were a man of God. Why would you hang out with these kind of people? Have we heard that in church before? Right? They're judging these people. By come, and these people who are coming to God. So Jesus told a bunch of stories, but this is where he ends. And so the group of people, as we could see at the identification, the older brother and the younger brother. Now let's identify them. Who are the younger brother? And who are the older brother in that scenario, in that home? The religious leaders, the teachers of the law, the experts of the law, they're the older brother. Does that make sense? And so he's really telling a story about them. And then the, the sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, all the bad people, bandits, they're the younger brother. What he is saying that these people once had a relationship with God, and they go and do their own thing, and now they're coming back to God. You follow me so far? And now the younger brother, who's always had a good relationship with God, they obeyed every single commands of God. They've always been in God's family. And now you could see... Oh, the tense, right? If, if any of the Pharisees or the people got what the story is about, you can feel the intenseness of the, of the house, right? All the tense moments, awkward moments. Okay, now what's going to happen? But we can focus on these two and miss the entire story. What's Jesus is saying? Is he teaching the story about the older brother? What's the focus of the story? The older brother? The younger brother? Neither. The focus of the story is not about the younger brother or the, the, the older brother. It's the story about Jesus Christ, about himself, who in the story depicts it as the, the father. The focus of the story is not about the children, but about the father. The children had their own version of their stories, but when they come to the father, the father has their own, his own version of his story, and that is the truth that comes. And I think every single one of us, we have our version of our story, but when we come to God, God's version is the truth, and it changes our story. <laughs>